Damien Cook coming up shortly. It is Wednesday, September 14. Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you if you are just tuning in. Uh, results in the Champions League this morning. Liverpool have scored late at Anfield. 2-1 over Ajax. Matip, the goal scorer in the 89th minute. You're a bit like the refereeing in the NRL. Oh, you're Why? very inconsistent. Oh, mate. Extremely inconsistent. Yeah, not fair. Mate, what about, like, last game, three days ago, they were getting, they got flogged, and we didn't, we didn't even get a score update. Yeah, you did. I had to find out when I listened to Kiss FM on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you didn't even give us an update. I gave Liv- an update. It was Liverpool really, lost. Oh, really quiet. Like quiet. Anyone? No one listening? Okay, we'll do it now. Anyway, 2-1 Liverpool over Ajax. Mm. Bayern Munich beat Barcelona 2-0. Club Bruges beat Porto 4-0. Sporting Lisbon beat Tottenham 2-0. Inter Milan won 2-0 in the Czech Republic. Bayer Leverkusen 2-0 over Atletico Madrid. And Frankfurt beat Marseille 1-0. Your results there in the Champions League this morning. Big game in the uh, Australia Cup tonight, by the way. Uh, the winner plays Sydney United. Sydney United, yes, in the final of that. And it's Oakley Kennens up against all-night Dwight York's MacArthur FC. Come on, Dwight. Uh, has made an impression, hasn't he, uh, mm-hmm. in his first uh, you know few Dwight? months there? Yeah, I do. Yeah. He, him and Brian Lara are best mates. Yeah. And go everywhere together. So, yeah, I've, uh, I've got to man. know Dwight. He's an absolute beauty. When Dwight comes to your place, can we come over? Sure. Yeah, I was reading somewhere where... He's out west. He's living out there. Is he out there? Mate, and they gave him every opportunity to live in the city. Good yeah. on him. And he, he wanted to, he wanted to be out there and be amongst them. Immerse yourself in the community. That's Good on him. No, about. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because I saw um, Lara is going to be a part of the Fox commentary team this summer. This summer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. Brian's doing a lot of commentary now. He does um, he does a heap of stuff in India for throughout the IPL. Yeah. Um, I think he's playing. They've got there's a, there's a Masters or a Legends tournament happening as we speak over in India, and I think they got all the countries together. So Brian, he's playing in that, but he loves Australia. Brian Lowry caught his eldest daughter Sydney after he scored at two hundred and seventy. Oh, yes. I think she actually just turned twenty one the other day. Oh, yeah. Talk about where does time go? So yeah, if uh, if Dwight's here, Bri Bri will be here, that's for sure. I still look laugh out. at the story that Gordy Tallis tells and oh, security guard. The Andrew Simon's <laughs> yeah. funeral when they were yeah. staying at the same hotel and they jumped into the car together. <laughs> he thought Gordy was assigned to his security <laughs> team. You wouldn't mind that. You wouldn't mind Gordy being his security guard. <laughs> oh, this guy must be just my security. <laughs> Cookie, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we? Yeah, really well, thanks, mate. What was it like playing in a game with seven sin bins? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it's a bit of it. And then after the game, you're just like, "What the hell happened?" It was um, crazy what was going on out there. Um, so, but you know, I think just I listened to you boys this morning about you know how Ash ref the game, and I think he just at the start he set a precedent with a couple of you know high shots and a couple of stuff happening in the ruck, and he he got tried to get that get rid of that early in the game, and um, obviously the players didn't listen, and um, he had to be consistent throughout. So I thought. Under high pressure um, circumstances, I think he at least he stayed consistent throughout the game and um, you know did a good job. So, but um, interesting to see how this week goes. I don't think he has to ref it the same. I think he just knew what was on the line and and the grudge match that these two our two teams have. How does everyone feel about the bunkers' involvement in general play, though, in regards to particularly? <laughs> Uh, so-called foul play incidents, Cookie, and you know, therefore, is this only naturally? And I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's almost being deliberately done, but it's almost a subconscious that it's leading to the milking of penalties. Yeah, well, look, um, players know now that if they stay down for a little bit, the bunker will step in, and 
I think that's the one with Trell, or Trell Milk, as he's better known now. <laughs> he's, um, he's, he stayed, I think he, he was just over what was happening to him in the ruck. He was obviously going to cop a bit um, for who he is and, and, the, and the player he's an ex-Rooster. Like, they were going to give it to him a bit. And I think a couple had gone, he'd miss, the ref had missed a couple. And I think it just got too much. So, you know, he got up shaking his head one time and, and took his time until he, he got that penalty because I think he was just sick of the little things that were happening to him, uh, to him during the tackles. Do you feel like, uh, you know, to what extent do you feel like the Roosters sort of lost their composure on Sunday, Cookie? Um, no, I don't think they do. I think there's, like I said, there's a lot on the line. There always is with those games. Like, even a normal round game for South and Roosters is um, is always massive and the intensity's high and something always seems to come out of it. Um, but, you know, after, um, you know, definitely losing players like Teddy and, um, and Crichton, who have been so good for him this year, uh, no doubt that put a spanner in the works for him on the weekend as well. Cookie Sharks this weekend. What changes from South's perspective? Uh, we're probably going to be a little bit better in the middle. Uh, just um, you know, they, they they all run pretty hard. They're quite a um, physical side as well. The, uh, the Sharks and uh, but I think we just against the Roosters we we managed the situation, but we probably just didn't quite be as tight as we could on the ground and through the middle. And just we can tighten up. Just not really worrying about what they're doing, but just um, more of what we can work on from the from the Roosters game. So. Um, again, playing the field position game uh, and keeping them down their end because they've got some great strike right across the field when they get the good ball and, and the same with us. So we need to make sure we just get some good field position and, and get down there and have a few cracks and, and let the boys do their job. How are you feeling during the game, mate? We know you out of isolation with COVID and, you know, that was your first game back. How did you feel out there? They gave you a rest towards the end of the game? Yeah, mate, I'm going to be feeling much better for the run. Um, yeah, because having that full week off of doing absolutely nothing, I definitely felt it in the game. And uh, during the week, it was quite light training runs all the way to the game. And so that was the first real big blowout, um, which was good. And uh, getting a break in the, in the second half and then a bit of stuff went on. Another sin bin, um, a wrong change. And then um, and then Tash scored, which uh, late we sort of, you know, put us out to three tries or something. So they told me just to rest, just rest up the rest of the game, which was... Which was good, and it was a good first blowout, which I'll be um, much better for the run. But yeah, I think I definitely felt um, the intensity was high and the speed was high already in the game. And um, yeah, definitely caught up with me in that first run back. But um, yeah, much better for the run. How were you feeling when you were down to 11 players when you had two <laughs> in the bin? I mean, it was an amazing sort of game. I mean, we, we speak about the sin biddings, but you know, you had two off, but you then were in control of that game through that 10 minute period when those guys were off the field. Yeah, it's something about our, our side. Like, when something needs to be done, we get it done, you know. And that's, that's probably um, caught us out a few times throughout the year when we get off to a slow start or, um, you know, go a bit lightly where we need to really lift the intensity. So when we're, you know, push backs against the wall and, um, you know, we need to win or we need to play good footy when we're down to 12 or 11, which we've done a, a few times, we seem to play some good footy. And I think that was one good sign. There was, there was a lot of stuff going on in that game, um, easy to lose your cool or mm. go away from the game planning. Um, but I think everyone stayed quite calm and, and got through the process, which is a great sign uh, for us as a team moving forward. Yeah, yeah Cook, you've spoken about a lot at the highest level. How do you control that emotion versus skill when, again, you see a lot of emotion in, in the game against the Roosters? But, it, yeah, it might be different, but it's still there's still so much to play for this weekend. So there's going to be emotion, there's going to be nerves, there's going to be excitement. How do you control that and try and win the game on skill? 
Yeah, obviously last week there was added with the Roosters part, but again, it was sudden death footy. So again, that's the same situation we're in. We, we lose and we're out. And uh, we understand we didn't get off to the best start to the year, but we're playing some really good footy at the end of the year at the right time when we need to. And now we've put ourselves in a position to, to be two games away from the grand final. Um, so mate, no doubt it's just about what we do as a team. Um, yeah, like I said before, just getting our defence right, making sure we're, we're staying nice and tight and, um, and defending together and, and completing well. And if we complete well, we know we've got the points in us. Um, with the likes of, you know, Troll and Cody playing some really good footy off the back of the back of our shape down there. So we've got to try and take the opposition out of it and not worry about what they're doing and let them dictate to us how we defend and attack and, and just worry about ourselves. Well, your opposition this week is the Sharks, and I thought it was a tremendous game between the Sharks and the... The Cowboys last weekend, it was 92 minutes and the Sharks went down in a golden point. But they're a wonderful team and, and they've got strike all over the paddock. Did you see that game and where do you see their strengths and, and who do you have to limit in, in this contest on, on Saturday? Yeah, yeah I, I didn't watch too much of the game. I kept an eye on the score and uh, when I seen them 30-22, I sort of went to bed um, thinking it was sort of over and it wasn't, which was that woke up to the Cowboys winning. But... Um, but again, I've watched a lot of the Sharks play this year. Um, I think, I don't know why they've flown under the radar. They're a great side. Like There was a lot of strike all over the park. And I could almost name everyone in that team. You know, they've got a great physical forward pack. Uh, you know, with Cam McInnes and Dale Finucane doing a lot of lot of the hard work in there. And then you've got the two centres who are big power runners. So I think their back five um, do a great job getting their sets off to a great start. Um, and then Nico Hines and, and Matt Moylan. Uh, I think Moylan is playing some of his best footy. Uh, for a long time, looks like he's really enjoying himself. We've got a great combination there with Nico. So, um, yeah, they've, like you said, they've got a lot of strike across the whole park. So that's why we've got to just make sure we don't let them dictate how we do things and um, and play our style of footy and and, lo- and lock them in the corners and and wait for our chances in good ball and make sure we take them. After a game like that on the weekend, Cookie prep for this week. I'm assuming you pull right back. It's it's very light. <laughs> Yeah, this time of year, um, you know, training is pretty light. So yesterday was a light sort of jog through um, on the field, uh, a bit of prep work in the gym, no real uh, lifting any weights or anything like that, uh, just prepping everything for today. So today will be a pretty intense day uh, with field session, a lot, of, a lot of meetings this morning and and uh, and some weights. But on the field session, it'll probably be less than an hour, but uh be quite fast and intense for that time. Uh, but yeah, definitely getting what we need to get done, uh, what we need to work on, uh, get everyone understand the game plan, and uh, but short and sharp, keeping us fresh for the weekend. Yeah, I always found as a player and as a coach, it's always difficult to get that right balance, mm. even though you're coming off a hard game, because sometimes, as a, as a coach, though, you know, you, they're coming off a hard game, and then you take it easier on them during the week, and then they can tend to start <laughs> slowly yeah. on that weekend and you go, oh, geez, why didn't we sort of... Well, how does that go for the Sharks? Because they had a, they had yeah, a, tough, yeah. a tough game. Yeah, it's, it's sort of different. Have you ever found that cookie? I've found it as a player too sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes you have that light you know, light week and you tend to start slow the mm. following week, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think that's why at the moment, like we had a light day yesterday, but today we're still real intense. Um because being our, being our main day. But, yeah, definitely throughout the year, you, you have some of those short turnarounds where you might have a couple in a row and a few travelling uh, games and uh, the trainers and all that try to freshen everyone up mm. and have a bit of a lighter session. But, 
you don't get that uh, that blowout that you need during the week. And so when you come to game day in that first 15, 20 minutes of the game, that's when you're getting it and you you might be behind uh, off the pace there. Mm. So And that's why we found ourselves probably starting slow a little bit. So we found for us um, the intensity uh, and the speed, is, it all got to be up, but this session just might be a little bit shorter. shorter. So we all all get that sort of um, that blowout this week. All right. Well, Loz's filly, Foxy Cleopatra is debuting. Uh, no doubt you'll give it a huge cheer cookie in race two at Sandown this <laughs> afternoon. Uh, but what have you got for us, most importantly? You wouldn't believe That's my tip. <laughs> good call, Cookster. Uh, Love it. You're a good man. <laughs> Love it. I've, uh, like Loz said, I, uh, I don't go out of Sydney, so I better stick to my guns in race six back at Warwick Farm, so... Being stick to my gun, stick to your guns. Yep. The horse. Race six at the farm. Yep. Uh, stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. Four forty. Four forty. Came third last and last last week in our tip too. So yeah, I don't think we went ouch. real well, Cookie. Yeah, yeah didn't bring yeah. it up for a reason. Well, I'll take you on in this race because I think the great Brian Fletcher is a part owner of Conrad. Yeah, he is. The mm. second favourite, mm. paying seven dollars. So there you go. That's our little Quinella cookie. We'll oh. go stick to your guns <laughs> and Conrad. Well, you're Quinellaing the top two in the market. <laughs> Geniuses. Well, once for 440, it won seven bucks. Oh, yeah, it'll Good pay Williams. Um, stick to your guns. So 440, that's race six, number 10. J Mac in the saddle, barrier one, Annabelle Neesham, the trainer. And Foxy, maybe it, double it with the Foxy. Ah, uh, that's, that's what we'll, we'll do. We'll stick with Foxy. Clark, Clarky, stop picking on my neighbour, mate. Who's that? Buzz Rothfield. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on one, weren't we? Me and Buzz. Big oh, mate, stink. headlines. <laughs> oh, shock me. <laughs> Can't wait to give him a hug next Monday. Oh, good. <laughs> Cookie, go well against the Sharks, mate. Yeah, Thank good you. luck, buddy. Cheers, guys. Thank you. You know, I made a mistake before you go, sorry. I said Brian Lara's daughter turned 21. She turned 26. So, the, oh. not the spelling police, but what do you call them? The number <laughs> police on our text line just made it clear that... When he made his double hundred in Sydney, we're in 2022. Two plus two can't equal four, Clucky. Mm. Has to equal 12. How dare you? Yeah, I know. I know. So anyway, his daughter, Sydney, has just turned 26. Okay. Oh, did she get born exact as soon as he scored that? Did... I think that was, I think, oh, I don't know what. No, nah, it must be. That was 92-3. 92-3, was it? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. yeah, his first tour to Australia. Mm. Oh. Yeah. But he, he, again, I've no he scored 200 odd in. That played a big part, but he has always loved Australia. Yeah. Always. This spring racing carnival, Foxtel customers have the chance to win a share of $75,000 just for watching some of the best racing on Sky. With cash on offer across every Group 1 race day, tune in, spot the code word, and enter the draw. So this weekend, be watching Sky Racing's George Main Stakes Day coverage on Foxtel. Keep your eyes peeled. For your chance to pocket $5,000, terms and conditions apply, just head to skyracing.com.au slash foxtel for more information on that. Uh, just while we're on a bit of cricket, Clarky, Michael Vaughan, in his column in the UK Telegraph, uh, obviously you're off yesterday, but uh, England clinched that series 2-1 mm-hmm. against South Africa. Yep, two days. Uh, yeah, there wasn't, wasn't much uh, <laughs> well, length of time for that test match, that's for sure. Uh, but... Michael Vaughan, bullish. Gee, they can get on, on the back of their team when they have a win quickly, can't they, over there? What's he going for? Vaughan? On the back of a remarkable summer of test cricket, he writes in that in, the, in his column in the UK Telegraph, it is clear England can regain the urn next summer. But well, 
I, mate, you know better than anyone how different they are at home as opposed to particularly coming out here. Yeah, well, that, that's why I think Vaughnie can say that because the series is in England. I think this England team, you had Johnny Bairstow, who's out with a broken leg, back into that middle order. If he bats at number five, uh, with the attack they have that they just played, I think I think they can win the Ashes. I think Australia would have to play their absolute best to beat them in those conditions. My concern with England is you play international cricket isn't just played in your own backyard. You got to go to every other country, and I don't think I don't think their attack is anywhere near as dangerous out of England. Mm. I think you know Anderson and Broad are brilliant in their own backyard, statistically phenomenal, um, and deserve all the credit they get. But I think if they bowl, come and bowl, if, if the series in Australia, I think Australia dominate. Someone like Again. that, that Ollie Robinson, who looks like he's lost heaps of weight, looks yeah. fit, yep. but he looked, you know, so so bowler no, out different here. Different in Australia, in England, yeah. he is actually but a bit of a weapon. Definitely, but I say that about every country. You mm. go and try and beat India in India, mm. try and beat England in England, try and beat Australia in Australia. Um, you know, I think, I think that is where Test cricket's at at the moment. The teams are very good in their own backyard, but find it hard to, to win away. And that's why we see, in regards to the rankings, it changes consistently. At the moment, the Aussies are on top of the tree uh, in Test cricket. Um, but we'll have to play our best cricket to beat England in, assuming everyone's fit in that England team. Um, I, I think they will be tough to beat. So, yeah, they can win the Ashes. But... Australia can as well. One injury to Anderson or Broad or Ben Stokes, for example. Um, Joe Root does a hamstring, can't bat it. Now, mate, you lose Joe Root out of that batting lineup, you've got a completely different team. I think when you look through the Aussie team, certainly batting-wise, man, we've got so much. If we're fit, Warner, Smith, Labuschagne, a lot of experience. Uh, Travis Head's played a lot of cricket in England. Um, you know, So, yeah, I, 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 reckon the, I reckon the Aussies will beat them. But England in England are very tough. Very tough. Champions League this morning and Sporting Lisbon beat Tottenham 2-0. Liverpool beat Ajax 2-1 courtesy of a late goal and Bayern Munich beat Barcelona 2-0 amongst the results there this morning. Uh, We have a very special guest about to join us and uh, he's the opener in the Australian blind cricket team and a world record holder as well because in June he made... 309 off 140 balls against New Zealand in the International Cricket Inclusion Series in Brisbane. 49 fours and one six. That means he became the eighth Aussie to score a triple century across all formats. That's a a crew that none other than the great Michael Clark's in as well. And uh, he's joining us on the line now. Stefan, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. No, great to have you on the show. And uh, that performance, tell us what it's done for you and the team, the exposure, I guess, that it's given you. Yeah, I think in the uh, the aftermath, I think, uh, I think I went off and one of my mate, my close mates, Oscar Stubbs, was also in the team. He said, you're actually all over the place on social media. <laughs> so, um, and um, over the days, you could see it on Fox, on, Fox, on the mainstream networks as well, like the, the, um, just generally all over the place to the extent that I had people from my, my high school and stuff um, messaging me and saying, oh, congratulations as well. So um, the reach has been absolutely fantastic. And um, it, it's been a great thing for the entire team and the sport as well. There's a lot more people out there. Um, I've had a few people say to me that, like, uh, you know, that have seen our vision, you know, 
members of the team or even vision and blind cricketers as well, you know, out and about with their canes and stuff as well. And people come up to them and said, oh, do you play blind cricket? And, um, you know, it's just that kind of exposure and, you know, um, in the community, it's, it's really important for us to uh, get the get the word out to other vision impaired and blind people as well um, that, you know, that cricket it can, is a sport for all and um, that, you know, there are avenues out there for people with disabilities to play play sport. Yeah, Stefan, Michael Clark here, mate. Lovely to speak to you and congratulations, mate. What an unbelievable performance. Tell us about that innings, mate. How did it start? Did it Was it one of those days that uh, everything felt really good or were you struggling at the start of your innings? How, how did it feel from your perspective? It, uh, it was a struggle first up. Um, we, had, we don't play many ODIs in blind cricket, especially over the past few years with, with COVID and cancellations and mm. stuff. So, for me, it was it, um, it was a, it was an interesting part of the morning when um, the light. One of the so you had obviously at both ends. One of the ends was incredibly glary and it was basically impossible to see, and the other one it was very easy to see um, with the with the light. So it was a very difficult period to navigate. Um, the field was in; they were bouncing the ball up, so it was quite easy to to uh, you know, kick the ball in the air. So um, there was a few times I played a miss, a few that I just like, I didn't even see, and I luckily I just missed the stumps. So. Um, but once I got through that initial period, it was um, generally much, much better. I would say I got in the rhythm of it, and um, yeah, I was, I was just, I started to really rock it towards, um, you know, a good score. I would say for for the team as well, because just really wanted to avoid batting collapses. <laughs> Stephen, can I ask, mate, about your your, your background? You know, were you you born blind? Um, you know, how did your love of cricket start? How long have you been playing? Just, just about yeah. How it all came about? Yeah, so I was I was born with my vision impairment. Um, so um, I, I used to play cricket when I was younger, um, as any son would with their with their dad at the park. And um, over time, uh, my vision started to decline, and um, I just couldn't do it anymore. So I turned away from cricket for for a couple of years. I played soccer instead because it's a much easier game to play. Mm. Um, and then in 2014, I um, got introduced to blind cricket. Um, in WA um, for a come and try day, um, just went down and, and tried it out and started to meet a really some really fantastic people, and I really really enjoyed it. And from there, I went to a, a training camp and on to New Zealand for a development series. So um, it quickly took off from there. Steph, where do we sit as a team, the Australian team? I know the World Cup's just around the corner. You guys are preparing for that. But where, where do we sit in regards to rankings? Because, I've again, the subcontinent teams are the strong ones, aren't they? They are, yes. India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka, they're the best in the world um, by a long way. Um, so, Australia, we've had a bit of a change at the moment. So, we've had a lot of younger guys come into the squad. Um, and, uh, obviously, a bit of a change in the guard, I would say. Um, you know, a lot of younger players coming through, a lot of very skilled players coming through, which is really exciting to see um, as well. So, um, but we, we, we went quite well in the world. Um, obviously, it, it can be quite difficult to gauge that considering the last time we had a World Cup was in 2018 and that was an ODI World Cup in Dubai. And as I previously said, we don't play ODIs all that often. So um, we're more of my, I think we're more of a T20 because yeah. that's what we play. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to gauge, but we are obviously heading in a really strong direction with support from, I say, Cricket Australia and um, as well and uh, all other, obviously, state bodies, Cricket New South Wales as well. So it's a really strong, positive direction for us. We're speaking to Australian blind cricketer Stefan Nero. And Stefan, just uh, give us a bit of a quick rundown on the rules and equipment that's used when playing. 
Yeah, so obviously with the 11 players you have within the cricket team, you have uh, different site categories. So um, you have four B3 players, and they have up to 10% vision. Um, you have three B2 players, and they have up to 5% vision. And you have four B1 players, and they're, they're totally blind. So in a 20-over game, uh, B1s have to bowl at least eight overs of the 20. Of the 20. So... Um, and there's very similar rules. Um, probably the biggest difference is, is that it's bowled underarm with a ball that has a rattle inside it. Um, so typically, if a bowler is about to bowl the ball, they'll ask the batsman if they're ready. And as they, if the batsman say yes, as yes, as they uh, go in to deliver the ball, as they obviously release the ball, they have to say play. Um, so the batsman knows, um, obviously, when the ball is coming down. So um, it's primarily a sweeping game, but obviously the better players can drive the ball. Um, and um, you have the you're various the most dismissal kind of uh, are similar to um, able body cricket. So obviously LBW court um, run out everything stumps everything. Um, so there are a lot of similarities in that regard. Um, but also some players have runners. So particularly in example a B1 most likely usually has a runner. Um, and if they hit the ball and the runner the runners complete a run, that's actually two runs because they get double runs. So, for example, you have a B1 hit the four, they get eight. Um, and the really rare cases where a B1 hit the six, which I've never seen happen before, hmm. they'll get 12. So B1s are really, really valuable in the sport as yeah. well with their bowling and batting. So. Unreal. Yeah, and I see that uh, the new home of Cricket New South Wales, you referenced this, a come and try day, and Cricket New South Wales at its new centre of excellence is hosting its first Blind Cricket Come and Try Day on Friday. So what message do you have, Stefan, to anyone who's perhaps hesitant? Yeah, look, I, I understand where, if for anyone that's coming hesitant, I understand where you're coming from. It, it can be quite a big um, thing to, to take part in, you know, especially for, for new people as well. Um, it, it can be quite common to, to feel isolated as a vision pet or blind person as well. So, um, but we, we accept everyone. We accept all ages, um, you know, uh, male, female, anyone, you know what I mean? So, um, or, um, and even if you're not vision impaired, we just want someone, or blind, we just want people to come down and, and try the game. We have simulation glasses so you can test it out and see how, how it is um, playing with different sight conditions as well. Um, and um, we'll have a number of New South Wales and Australian players there. So um, it'll be a great experience, I think, just to even just to come down, chat with us and, and to see, you know, what other opportunities can... Um, you can access as well. So it's from 4 to 5.30. So even if you can't get there for the entire time, just be great for as many people as possible to come down and give it a shot. Because for me, um, I can only attest to how much blind cricket has changed my life as well. And that's why I try and really support others to get involved as well. Okay. For anyone who's interested, by the way, you can register on the Cricket New South Wales website, the Cricket New South Wales website. Uh, What's next that you want to achieve, Stefan? Uh, uh, to be honest, it's um, probably really starting the preparation for the World Cup, um, for the World Cup in December, um, it's the 4th to the 18th um, uh, in India, which could be very interesting. Um, we also have our National Cricket Inclusion Championships um, in Brisbane from the 4th to 11th of February. So um, it's all about just building towards those those events as well, but also maintaining it, you know, um, whilst just balancing that high, high performance kind of training with, you know, just including everyone involved as well. So we generally play on Sundays. Um, we try and get everyone involved, juniors, seniors, everyone. So um, 
just trying to, to grow the sport. Well, we love inspirational stories like yours, Stefan, and uh, we really appreciate your time this morning. Congratulations in what you've achieved and good luck uh, with the Australian team going forward in particular. Yeah, thank you very much for having me and thanks everyone for, for all their support as well. It's greatly appreciated. Brad Davidson, good morning to you. Morning, guys. How are we going? Yeah, really well, thanks. Looking forward to seeing the final fields today for Saturday at Royal Ramwick and uh, all the shorts in particular. So much intrigue as uh, we get the Everest build up in full swing. Yeah, you're right, guys. It's almost like a, a mini Everest there this weekend, isn't it? Uh, with the field that's likely to, to take shape, I mean, uh, yeah, we get to get a real good look at, at Marzu and, and where he lines up against the big guns. We get to see how the, the likes of uh, uh, Classic Legend return. I know, um, you know Les Bridge was really happy with his trial the other day, but um, you know you would have to think off, off that performance in that trial, he's going to struggle to beat the likes of Nature Strip and Eduardo. I thought the trial was just fair, to be honest. But um, look, you know, that's, uh, he's probably going to need to hit out, I think, and probably on a, a race against time again to, to be fit and, and 100% ready to, to rumble for the, the Tab Everest. But uh, if Les can get him right, I'm sure he will. And we know he's obviously won the race before. So, And then, of course, how, how does Nature Strip return from overseas as well? And Eduardo such a dominant winner first up. So, look, the race is taking, taking shape with the, with the big guns there for the Everest. And I know it's only a, a mini grand final, so to speak. And the likes of Marzu will have plenty of improvement to come as well, Nature Strip and Eduardo. But, um, yeah, a real interesting race nonetheless. And uh, fascinating to see how, how the... The likes of Marzu shape up against the big guns. Dave, I probably should know this myself, but how many slots are, uh, haven't been taken up yet? Like, how many uh, people are looking for horses at the moment? Was there two or three slots available? I mean, yeah, you know, in terms of looking for the horses. Yeah, there's been a couple there, isn't there? I'm yeah. just having a look at the, the market now. What have they got? Five. Uh, I mean, on the actual market, they've only got. About five there, Confirmed, but I'm yeah. sure a few others are are in. So I mean, we're waiting for the likes of. There's a few there already that um, are going to be likely locked in, but they haven't probably been locked in just yet. So there's probably still a, a handful or so to go um, of those you know, left to be to be given a slot. But I think a few there are, are sort of waiting and and just sort of seeing, okay, who's going to come up and who's going to really step up in the in the next few weeks. So all the big guns are there already, and then it's a case of which horses can take that next step. And at the moment, there doesn't seem to be too many that can. So um, fascinating to see how those last few slots play out. Elation's been ruled out for the spring. Yes. Uh, yep. They decided to go to the paddock there with that galloper after um, you know, finishing down the track the other day. So we've, we've lost uh, another few gallopers in, in recent days. Also the Western Empire likely to head for a spell as well. So, um, yeah, never great news when you, you miss these horses, but um, I'm sure Elation will be back in the in the autumn ready to, to fire, and um, yeah, it just didn't work out there the other day. Any surprises for you when the Melbourne Cup and Caulfield Cup weights were released? Uh, not really, Loz. Um, the uh, Spanish Mission up there was 58 kilos in the, in the top weight in the Melbourne Cup. Joyce has got 55 and a half on Tefilia, 55 and a half, and uh, Gold Trip also right up there with 57 and a half. So um, yeah, I mean, look, the weight, uh, what they are, and a lot of uh, a lot of connections are going to be happy. Others not so much. But um, look, it's never easy to carry uh, 58 kilos in a in a Melbourne Cup, and that's the uh, 
that's the impostor's Spanish mission we'll have to carry this year. So we'll, we'll wait and see how, how that pans out heading towards the race and whether they're likely to to accept with with that weight. But I know it's been the aim for a while with that horse, so I'm sure they'll uh, still be heading towards that path. Dave, how's Foxy going to go today? Uh, I think well, Clarkie, yeah. You like her? Um, yeah, look, I, look, it's an open race. Um, probably a little bit stronger than the, the last time was in the midweek, but... Um, uh, it's hard to hard to line up with a few that are sort of you know hitting the track for the first time, so to speak. But like the way the horse has, has been trialling leading in, and Loz, they give it a bit of a push this morning, I believe. Oh, look, Davo, trainer's confident. Oh, well, I don't know, isn't he? Very confident. I think she'll be running on Davo. Well, that's what yep. we're expecting. It might be a little bit short for a thirteen hundred, yep. mate. No way. From what I heard, I'm expecting her to win. Very black and white, very clear. Your trainer is extremely confident. Did you take that, Mido? Well, what was the line? Ability-wise, up to winning first up. Yeah, but things can go wrong oh. for the first start. <laughs> Are you confident or not? Back at David. I've told you. I've told her. you. I will give the signal when we go. Nah, Davo, when we go, we go hard. He's but on I'm not locked in air. today. Off air, he's high fiving me. <laughs> on air, he's just he's just playing it down. I'm not uh, I'm interested. Anyway, look. I reckon a good each way chance. There you go. Yeah, great day for any owner, isn't it? The first start because all the all the hopes are there and the hopes and dreams and fingers crossed uh, runs well for you today, Loz. I hope so, Dave. Set up nice. Otherwise, I'll cop it tomorrow. Come on, Foxy. <laughs> all right. What are your best bets, Dave? Uh, best for me today, guys. I've gone uh, a couple there at the, at the shorter odds. Race five, number four, Walinga Rufio there at, uh, at Warwick Farm. I think you can get the. The job done, and race one, number seven, lot one, a first starter there at Sandy, and that's been jumping up particularly well and has been heavily backed already, but does look very hard to beat there in the opener at Sandown today as well. Okay, so Warwick Farm, race five, number four, Walinga Rufio's a $2.15 chance with Tab, and Sandown, race one, number seven, lot one, $2.25 with Tab, and Foxy, $6. Foxy Cleopatra in a race two, Loz's Philly. Davo, you have a good day, mate. Thank you. Good on you guys. Good luck, Loz. Cheers, guys.